own lives. Let us take this back from here to our homes and live a good life each day if possible. Amen. Last week we talked about our humanistic desire to hide or cover up our sins. We all know we're we're sinners. That's the Bible tells us that there's no man that's free from that affliction. But um We have this tendency to try to pretend to the rest of the world that we're not. We hide it. We ignore them. Say things like, well, God forgave me so I can just keep doing things as normal. We hide them instead of repenting. Because confronting our sin is hard. Confronting your sin is an aggressive term. We stand up to our sin and we say, I'm a sinner and I need to turn from this path that leads away from the righteousness of God towards His righteousness. I need to give up this behavior. I need to give up these friends. I need to give up this computer. I need to give up I need to give up my security. I need to give up my It's hard. It's an aggressive term. We need to confront our sins. It's hard. We tend to want to sweep it under the rug. Pretend that no one knows what everybody knows. Instead of repenting, we say, well, I'm sorry. As long as I don't have to change my behavior, I'm okay. Because it's hard for us to change. And the older we get, the harder it is for us to change, isn't it? We don't like to change. Some of you don't even like to change what TV show you watch. You've been watching the same TV shows just different streaming services since you were whatever. Something new? No, I don't like that. Let me watch the same thing. We can't even change the, the TV we're watching. The music. At some point, you just thought, no, new? No, I'm good. For some of you, that was really early in your life. and some of you, it's kind of later. We don't like to change. And the idea that we have to change a behavior that is not good for us? Well, our, our, uh, our tummies show that we don't like to change behavior if it's not good for us. We know that um, heart failure is the number one cause of death here in the United States, yet we'll, we'll put gun control on the docket, but we're not going to worry about our health because that would require us to change our behaviors. We don't like change. 
And so when we read what happened to David, we understand his, you may not understand going to the point of murder, but you understand his desire to sweep his sin under the rug. You understand the desire to not let it people know and let it be hidden. You understand the desire to And so here we have in this passage this this where David does not repent of his sin. He does not confront his sin. So it requires someone else stepping up and coming to David and saying, "Hey David, you know that thing you did that you were pretending that no one knew and you swept under the rug and everybody knows." David God knows. And you've sinned against God. And because you've sinned against God, you weren't where you're supposed to be. You were in sin. You were falling in lust. You were falling into murder. You were... God's going to... You've, you've put yourself on a path that God's going to see this through. God's going to see this through. You're going to suffer the consequences. And he tells the story that there are two men in the city, and, and one's rich and one's poor, and one has lots of sheep. And he goes through this whole story. Um, and David's like, well, let's kill this man. Let's and David's like, it took a story for him to know, this is about me. Isn't that what the Bible does to us so often? We read through this story and then we, because we, we, we like to be the heroes, so we're like, I'm Paul. <laughs> and then you read about the ones who are up against Paul and you start putting, well, maybe I'm not Paul. <laughs> And so you see this story. And what this is, is a wonderful example of confronting sin. David wouldn't confront his sin himself, which is what we were called to do. We're called to say, you know what, I have messed up. I repent of that. Means I not just, I'm sorry, means I'm going to stop the behavior, turn away from it, and not just. I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to walk a different path so that it leads me away from that. So if your sin is, I used pornography because we were talking about sex last week. If we use pornography again to follow along with that theme, if your sin is pornography, it's not just say, well, I'm not going to do that again. It's repentance of it may require you putting filters on your computer, giving someone else access to your computer, not being on your computer when you're alone, even getting rid of the computer, getting rid of the smartphone. It takes steps that we have to take. We have to feel it. But then it's not good enough just to feel it, to, to, to say, this is okay, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do this, because eventually you're going to give in. We have to feel that space. 
with something from God. We have to repent to walk a path that leads to righteousness. So we have to move away from the sin, but we have to fill that with something that is of God. So that time you were normally doom scrolling, you know, just flipping through pictures on Instagram, and then you got bored with that, and so the other websites started coming out. We're going to fill that time up with something godly. Whether it's reading your scriptures, listening to scriptures, watching the Bible project, you know, whatever it is, you know, getting out and talking to someone, you know, putting your phone down and saying, I'm going to go do this, you know, actually work out during this time. So I don't have time to work out, but I can spend an hour and a half doom scrolling on Facebook. Don't lie to me, guys. I've seen you on your Facebook accounts. I mean, so we have to feel that time. And we have to confess. And confessing, we confess to God because He's our Savior. But we also confess to one another. I'm not talking about blurring it out on uh, in Twitter. Uh, what is it? X now. Threads. Putting it out on Facebook. I'm talking about talking to someone else and saying, hey, I've got this issue. And confessing to one another, not coming to a priest, but confessing to one another helps us to say, you know what, I've got issues and I can't do this alone. And so we confront our sins. And this is a wonderful uh, opportunity for us to do that. And, but what if we don't? What if you see someone else not? And they're just continuing down this path. You guys know someone that's walking down a path that doesn't lead to righteousness. And I'm not talking about those perceived sins because they're not your preference, right? Well, you don't go to the church service, I prefer. Or you do something different. You wear pants at church. I'm talking about actual, in the Bible, these are against God's words. You know, not you wear Nikes. That's not what I'm talking about here. You know, that, that sin, do not judge or you will be judged. Or we use the King James often, right? Judge not lest you be judged. We, that's like one of the most overquoted, misused scriptures in the Bible. Because we say, well, you can't judge me. You can't correct me in any way. You can't tell me I'm wrong. You can't tell me that this is a sin. You can't tell anything to me because then you'll be judged, not me. That's not really what that passage is used. That's a kind of a catchphrase for Christians and non-Christians alike who don't want to follow the rules, right? Don't want to walk a path of righteousness. Just want to do whatever they want. You can't judge me. But here we have God using a man to call out someone else. So if that was the proper usage of this passage, God is sinning. That's not the proper use of this passage. We cannot judge. That is absolutely true. You cannot judge someone else. You do not have the authority to condemn someone else to hell. You do not have the authority to condemn someone from salvation you don't have the authority 
to judge. But what you can do is confront. We can confront. We can confront others of sin. And the Bible tells us we are to do that. And it actually tells us how. But first we have to ask the question, what is the purpose of the law and what do we define as sin, right? If we're going to confront someone about sins, we have to define what is a sin. You say, well, it's the Ten Commandments. You have not following. That's a little broad, isn't it? You're going to confront someone because they're thinking lustful thoughts against someone? One, how do you know? You're making eye babies at them. I laughed. There was a school in, in uh, one of the colleges that uh, in, I want to say Florida, but that was the rules. You couldn't make eye babies at somebody. Um, yeah, look that one up. Um, But, you know, so we have to ask this, and the, the, the purpose of the law, the, the, the law, the, the Bible itself tells us what the purpose of the law is. Galatians uh, chapter 2, verse 19. For the law, I died to the law so that I might live for God. Or through the law, I have died so that, the law, uh, that I might live for God. The law shows us our sins and our need for a Savior. We can't ever imagine that we can live up to the perfection of the law. You try following all 613 laws. Can't do it. 100% all the time. Or you might be good 99% of the time. But in your life, you're going to miss one of those. Some of them are so broad like you know, Jesus says, well, if you're angry at someone, you might as well have killed them. Well, that's breaking the Ten Commandments. So that means you can't ever get angry. So that person that cut you off while you were driving down the road and you shot them the bird. Well, there's a sin right there. Instead, we have to turn to Jesus Christ. We need Jesus, the one who lived for us. And we do that through our, and and because of that, as we adhere to following him as disciples, our obedience grows. Good fruit is produced. So the purpose of the law is to lead you to Christ. The purpose of law is for the gospel. You don't, cannot. The purpose of law is to bring us to Christ. And the reason we, we confront others about their sins is not because we need to point out, hey, you're a sinner. If they don't believe in Jesus, they don't care if they think we're sinners. The purpose of confronting someone about their sin, one, they have to already believe 
in Christ. So the point of going to someone who is not a believer in Christ is saying, you are a sinner condemned for hell. And they're going to let you say, I don't believe in hell. I don't believe in your laws and I don't believe in your God. So how can I be a sinner? They have to already believe. So going to someone who's not a Christian and saying, I need you to live differently isn't you need to bring them to Christ. If we're confronting someone about their sins, they have to be a believer first. Because confronting someone about their sin isn't about, it's about restoration and reconciliation with the Father. Moving to the right behavior. Restoration between offender and God. You can see Hebrews 12, 6, James 5. We we confront others about sin to keep them from spreading to others. See Hebrews 12, 15. See 1 Corinthians 5. To protect the purity of church and to honor Christ. See Romans 2. And when we confront sin, what we don't do is we don't say, well, we're not going to confront every little sin. If you're confronting sin because you're the self-appointed sin police. Anyone met someone, a self-appointed sin police? I see some shaking of heads. Some of you are guilty. You might be the self-appointed sin police. You know, if we do that, then we're not admitting that we have our own issues that need correcting. And if we're confronting sin out of um, vengeance, holier-than-thou attitude, then you're not dealing with people out of love. And God is love. And if we're as soon as we're the cosmic, co- we're the cop up there waiting for someone to mess up, flashlights. Then you're not giving them a chance to repent, which God does every time. Look at Gen- go back to Genesis. First thing He talks about uh, to Adam: "Where are you, Adam?" Like He doesn't know. Says to Cain, "Where's your brother?" Like he doesn't know. He actually even tells him so much. Well, then why do I hear his blood crying out from the ground? You're not responsible for jumping on anyone who sins. Look at Nathan. He doesn't jump on David. He, he gives him time to repent of his own sins to see the error of his own ways it's only after David doesn't that he hides his sin that he covers it up then David steps in and then sometimes but sometimes we do need to confront someone who sins and the Bible even tells us how to do that Matthew uh, 18 
18, 15, and 17. If your brother sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. It's not you and them and Facebook. It's not you and them and everyone else you're gossiping with. It's not you and them and all your prayer partners. I'll put that in parentheses. I've got to pray for these people. They're just sinners. Let me tell you all the things that they did. Oh, if you've got that one person you're asking for advice, how do I approach this person? That's different. Go to them just between the two of you. If he doesn't listen to you, if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, then take one or two others along with you so that every matter will be established by testimony of three, two to three witnesses. This goes back to uh, old law that you need two to three witnesses to match your story. Someone else to be an eyewitness. If they still refuse to listen, tell the church, and if they refuse to listen in the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. We're not getting to the history of tax collectors at the sermon. That is not the point. But the point is, you should keep it as small a group as possible. Private meetings, meetings two or three, the entire church, the smaller the group, the better. Why? Because repentance is easier. Why? The fewer people are led astray, less harm is done to the reputation of church and Christ. Most of the time, it's actually as easy as going to someone and saying, we have, and pointing out they have an issue and letting them think about it and letting them deal with it. With support. Many times you don't realize that it is a sin. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you go to someone and say, hey, there's an issue, you better have a biblical basis. I was going to give an example, but I think the per- person would figure it out and not be. Um, I'll give a generic example. I know a young lady who went to a church, and uh, a, another woman came to her and said, you and your family need to be at the 1030 service or 11 o'clock service at the case of this church, but we'll use 10.30 since that's our time, so that you can be at the family service. Not a sin. That's a personal preference. But then she started spreading rumors about why this person wasn't at the proper service. Without even questioning why you preferred a different service. 
That's not confronting sin. That in itself is a sin in itself. But when someone's sinning, for example, they're living with someone they're not married to and sleeping with them. Sleeping with them being a euphemism for sex. Let me just throw that out there. Before you guys... uh, Fornication, the Bible calls it. Well, we call that out. Say, that's not appropriate. You need to fix this issue. The smallest group possible. And you say, well, you, you have to push this on. You have to push this on. And as we say, they says, if they don't listen, the point is not to forbade them from ever coming back to church. The point is to say, hey, you can't be part of this and this and this because you're not following God's word. For example, you cannot continue as a leader in the church if you are going to continue this behavior. You cannot continue as a, because if you're following this behavior, because we're going, we have to set the example. We have to treat them. Now, a group setting like this, could a tax, in the ancient days, could a tax collector attend? Obviously. Go read the stories of Matthew. Go read the stories of Zacchaeus. Go read the... Obviously, for big things like this, they were able to attend. It was other things. They were not, they were not allowed to be part of the, what we'd call membership of the church. Because we need to be spreading Christ, bringing people to God. But we have to realize that God has a standard that we need to walk in. And we need to be pushing forward to righteousness. Pushing forward to righteousness. And so the best thing to do if you say, well, I don't want to be called out by anybody. You know what the best thing to do? Is call yourself out. I have an issue. I need work on it. And you know what? I'm going to find that trusted person that can help me with this. And you see someone that's not repenting, well, then it might be called on to you. You might be the one that needs to call on yourself and say, hey, I've seen you doing this. You know, I know you're living this way. I know this is your, you know, I got on the computer after you and you know what? I had to delete your, church, your browsing history because I kept getting these pop-ups that I don't want to look at. You know, hey, you know, I was having this conversation with them, and they said, you said, I was like, that's not, that means you were gossiping. And I, I shut them down right then and said, I don't want to hear about your gossip. That's not, but if you're saying these things, that's gossip. 
All right, you know, we need to call people out. We need to call them on our, because it's not about calling each other out for judgment. It's not about calling each other out for anger or vengeance or to say we're better than them. It's because we need to strive as a community to be the best that we can be. And we can't do it alone. We just can't. We're not perfect. And where our sin Someone else is strong. Where we're weak, someone else is strong. You say, well, God, God will be my strength. You know what that's doing? That's taking out what God has chosen for human beings to do. A community. That's just saying, well, God, I only need to confess to God, which is technically true for salvation. But it's not going to get you to repentance. I only need to, to have God's strength because He'll strengthen me. Well, that's technically true. He will strengthen you. But sometimes, but He has chosen to use people. I mean, He could have done all this with it. He doesn't need us to do anything. He could have hotwired it into it where the rocks would tell us the gospel and we would believe them because they're rocks. But He chose us. Sometimes that seems like a really flawed plan. But that's because he has more faith in us than I do. He has more faith in me than I do. Because he believes in us and he loves us. And he's called us. That's amazing. And it comes with a great deal of responsibility. And it's difficult. And so as I think about what our next steps are, I think, I think maybe, maybe some of you have been confronted. Some of you right now, as you are listening to this sermon, you hear when I say your sin, it, your mind is filling in a, a word. Your mind is automatically filling up. And God is using this message to confront you himself one-on-one and you need to turn from it before he sends someone else to confront you. And so some of you, you've been confronted. Some of you, God sent someone into your life and you didn't take it so well. Been there. It's hard. Maybe you need to apologize for not taking their well-meaning thing. They were just doing it out of love. You need to let go of that bitterness. Maybe you really do need to confront someone. One-on-one. And be honest with them. This is what I see you doing. This is why it isn't good. This is why it's a sin. And, and what I can do to help you. Ooh, we don't like that part, do we? I'll just call you out. And I'm going to walk away. Maybe it's, let me come to the point where let me help you. See what happens. 
The law is designed to lead us to the good news, to lead us into reconciliation with Christ. To lead us into an, a life that, that offers to look at Christ and invite him into ourselves, not to be selfish, not to be. And of course, maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you've been the person who has approached someone inappropriately. And you need to apologize. Let's think about our next steps as we pray. Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for wonderful blessings. Pray, I pray that you just, Lord, convict us of our sins. Help us to repent from them, to turn away from them, fill them up with yourself so that we may turn away, that we may be caught up in your life and your love and your, your righteousness. Lord, I pray that, um, that, Lord, that the Lord, you send loving people into our lives to help us stay on the right path. Lord, we know that it's so hard we can't do it by ourselves. So, Lord, we pray that you help us send loving people into our lives. Lord, Lord, I pray that if we have ever wronged someone by calling them out inappropriately, that we apologize. Lord, I pray that if we've gotten hurt when someone calls up, that, Lord, that we, we let go or release that bitterness, Lord, that we just turn to you and see the nature of their, their words. Lord, help us to be loving as we confront people with sin, Lord, in the smallest group possible. Keep us away from gossip. Keep us away from um, things that, that would hurt this process. Lord, help us to stand tall in the front of sin and confront our own sins with repentance and truth as we turn towards you and walk in your love and your righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to go to a time of invitation.